Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. What the purpose of, and um, the title of the message is Christ is Enough, and um, we wrote a theme song for it today. <laughs> it's saying it at the end of the No, no um, but he is enough. And, so, and, and, and sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we live in a culture where we muster things up, where we have the add-on and we have the addition, and we have, you know, you can get, you know, this add-on package and this and this and this. It's like when Christ came, he came with everything that he is. He didn't hold anything back. He wasn't, he wasn't, he, he, the Bible says he gave everything freely. In fact, it says our Heavenly Father gave everything. If he didn't withhold his very own son, how much more will he freely give us all things, it says in Romans. Amen? So in Christ, it's all been made available. And, and, he, and he calls us to come to him. And, um, and so I'm, I'm so mindful of this in what we're uh, in right now with, with people and, and situations that... <clears throat> We need God more than we've ever needed him. And there's this, there's this intensity, I know for myself, where it's just like in, on the inside, it's like this ache that, God, I need more of you. Uh, when I hear all of the different craziness that's going on around, and you're like, you can't make sense of some of this stuff because there's so much weirdness. And church included. There is so much all over the spectrum. And then it's like, I just want to look at Jesus, and I just want to see what, what Jesus would do from the scriptures, not my concocted, mustered-up theology or thinking of Jesus, the revealed Jesus through the scriptures. And, and Jesus himself is the one that said, come to me. And, and he calls us to come to him. But I, I want to, first of all, give the theme verse that I've got for this year and I, I think it's so important. First Peter five, um, six and seven, and um, it, I, I I believe that this is for all of us. I believe it's for the church in North America. I really truly believe it. Is if this is a season that requires tremendous humility, because if we want great authority, we have to have humility. Jesus went lower before he he went up. You know he, for thirty years he was a carpenter, and we don't even know anything about him except that one incident when he was 12 and he went to the temple. And for those 30 years, what did he do? He got close to his father. He humbled himself. He heard his voice. He, he, he knew him like this. He was a human. He was distracted like you and me. He lived in this quirky body that, that you know, stunk when it sweats and you know, it got achy and all the rest, and he, he lived in this. He got tired, and he had, to, he had to fight past all those things, but he, he learned complete obedience, the Bible says, by the things he suffered. He walked this out so that when we saw him, when, we, when the scriptures reveal him, he was so in tune with his father. And the greatest thing that we can do is not come up with all these huge, great revelations. It's hearing God, but hearing God for every moment, the, by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. We, more than ever before, need to be hearing God 
moment by moment. We need to be hearing what he's saying at that time for that situation. We need to be uh, so in close to him and connected to him that we, we know his unctions. We know when he's moving. And all those other vo voices can be silenced. But it says, humble yourself in the mighty, and under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up. We're not tooting our own horns and standing on our own, you know, soapbox, whatever you want to call it, that you're standing on, podium, and, you know, trying to defend yourself or, or, or muster something up or, you know, this is the way it is. It's like, no, when, when God truly does something, we don't have to defend it. He just does it, and, and the evidence is, boom, it's done. Amen? And he wants to do that. And he wants to do that more. But a lot of times our lives are building them on things. Well, he said, he, she said, I'll just do this, I'll just do that. Instead of on the solid foundation of what he has told you to do. And you're stepping in obedience to him. Trusting that he's going to lift you up in due time. He, in, in honor. And he will give. Uh, and then it says, give all your worries and your cares to God. For he cares about you. Amen. So one thing I see with this whole replenish retreat, um, we see a lot of people are starting to carry a lot of cares. And they're just this whole year, and actually over a year of lockdown and all the different stuff. Everyone, you just start to carry things, and you're carrying things, and you're carrying things. And it's like, you know, that word replenish means to fill up again, to fill up with what is lacking. And God wants to fill you up again. And, and we need to take that time. We need to come to him. And, and, and Jesus is calling us to him. And I want us to go to Matthew. Um, we're going to go there first. We're going to look at. Um, Matthew 20. 11. Sorry. Verse 20. And um, Jesus here is. Um, He's 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 speaking to a to a to a people and we're going to look at it and he's he's upset with them because here the miracle worker came here the one with all the power in the in the world to do anything came and he performed these signs and their response was they didn't care. We'll look at it. It says then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. So it didn't produce a change in heart. They're like, hmm, well, that's great, you know what it's like. But it didn't, didn't produce a change. And it says here, what sorrow awaits you, uh, Chorazin and, and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their, pe their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on judgment day than you. Ouch. That's not a word I want from Jesus. And you, O people of Capernaum, will you, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. Ooh, I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. So here, 
There was this hardness, and there was this, and, 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 um, but then he says here, he says, at this time, Jesus prayed this prayer. He says, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. The childlike. And you know what? When we're wise and clever in our own eyes and we think we got this and we think we got that, we miss the train. Jesus and all his mirrors just goes by. And our heart stays the same. You're smart and you can do it all on your own. He's saying, be childlike. He says, Father, I thank you that, that you, you did it in a, in a place where it's like we need to become like children. Amen? We, we can't lose the wonder of God. We got a c culture that's like, oh, well, there's this about God, and you know all this. I can Google it, and you know, I know this about God, and I know that about God, and I know this, and I know that. And, you know, you got your own Google gob. Well, he's not reduced to Google. He is far greater than Google. There are things he'll blow off the map outside of that because there is the wonder of God. He, he can go beyond what we could ever ask or think. God's so big, he always has something fresh. He always has something fresh. You might be mundane, you might be boring, and your life might be drippy and boring because you've not allowed God to be who he is. You've just not allowed him. We got to get childlike again. We got to start enjoying the wonder of God. Amen? And he wants to bring us to that place. And this is what he said after that. He says here, he says here, um, and you, you were pleased to do it this way. He says, so my father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father. And no one truly knows the father except the son. And those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So there has to be this revealing. And then he says, and then it says, Jesus said, come to me. He said, don't go to a great church, although you can find Jesus in a great church. But he's saying literally, come to me. It's that place of personal relationships. It's that place of I am the one. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary. I, I said this verse last week, but I, I'm going to say it again. Because many of us are weary and carrying heavy burdens. And it's COVID, 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 right? COVID this, COVID that, COVID. It's like, guess what? It doesn't matter. It's going to have a new face. It might be something new in another year or two. It doesn't matter. I feel like I'm in a fishbowl. It's just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, it's just like, <laughs> I know you can't see it when the camera's straight on, but just for me, it's just like, and I have to stay behind the plexiglass, so. So, just keep swearing, swearing, swearing. <laughs> so, so there's things where we grow weary and, and we carry heavy burdens. But he says here, he says, if, you, if that's you, he says, if you come to me, I will give you rest. 
I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And I love this. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. See, we've taken yokes and I, I, I really believe on this replenished retreat or, you know, if you can't go on it, when you take that time with him and you come to him, he can strip off yokes that you've picked up that someone else has put on you or you've put on yourself. And you, we carry these yokes. And Jesus is like, no, I've got a better yoke for you. But you have to come to me. Let's make that exchange. Let go of this yoke and give me, let me give you my yoke. And so he says here, and I love this. He says, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You know, Jesus never went around tooting his character. He never went, I'm the most loving person in the whole wide world. You know, he just declared love and he did it. But in this situation, it's actually one of the attributes where he said, I am this. I am humble and gentle. So in our hard places, in those times where we're wrestling through things, where you are weary and have heavy burdens, Jesus comes in humility and gentleness. And he speaks to you and gives to you what is needed to lift that yoke and to give you his yoke. Amen? And the burden that he gives us is light. Isn't that good? He's so awesome. And so this is what we need to, to grab a hold of is that he, he's the one that we're going to. He's enough. And that's what we're doing. So whenever you spend your time with him, just come to him. Come to him with the burdens. Come to him with the yokes. Come to him. You know, how many, you, you, you come to him like this. Oh, I didn't pray enough today. Oh, you know, I, I, I'm only going to be able to do a few verses. Oh, you know, I didn't. We're guilted into the presence of God. Wow. <laughs> and we're, we're driven. We're, we're duty-driven instead of beauty-driven. Where we are captured by the beauty of the Lord. By who he is. That, that he is humble. And he's gentle of, of heart. That he, he wants to teach us. He, he's not sitting there, oh, you didn't get it. Oh, pff, come on. That's like so easy. And you didn't get it? Like he's not sitting there looking at it. He's like, okay, did you get it? And he's, he's ready to teach us. Amen? That's our Jesus. That's who we come to. And so when we take that time with him, when we're coming to him, this is who we are coming to. And he's coming with a, with a yoke that is easy to bear and a burden that is light. Now, in John 10, let's go there, because Jesus is talking about him being the shepherd and us being sheep. <laughs> and I just, if you've ever watched sheep, they're just so funny. Um, and the fact that he calls us sheep, you know, because, like, 
sheep just follow. They just they're they're really dumb. They they really are. Uh, a friend of ours had sheep. Uh, was a sheep farmer out out in Oro, and um, he says like they can't even have their babies ready. He had to be in there and helping them have their babies, and they're just he says they just need a lot of help. <laughs> and Jesus is like, that's what he's calling us, because we're dependent. We are dependent on him. And and it's not a bad thing, and it's not uh, a demeaning thing that he was um, saying about us. It was just, it's it's who we are. It's what we deal with. And um, and so in John 10 here, he's talking about this illustration. And he says here, uh, verse 6, he says, Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. He says here, I tell you the truth. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. He says, yes, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Amen? So uh, he promises that when we come to him, we are going to find good pastures. See, he said, you know, those that went before me, um, he says, they didn't lay down their life for the sheep. He says, I truly, genuinely laid my life down. The others, they were doing it. Yeah, they may have done it for with a love for the Lord. They may have done it, you know, for all kinds of different reasons. We know Abraham was the father of faith, and there were different ones that, that came before. But Jesus truly came with the, with the right heart, fully obedient to the end. Amen? And he came with the purpose of laying his life down. And then he says this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But he says, but, but my purpose is to, to give them a rich and satisfying life. To give them an abundant life. The, uh, the, in that word there, in the Greek, it actually means the God-quality kind of life. Heaven's standard of life. Amen? So Jesus is coming, and he's coming. The, the enemy comes to take away. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. He comes to you, the three things, steal, kill, and destroy. And he's constantly doing that in your life. He's constantly coming in in different ways. But when we come to Jesus... He wants to give life, and he wants to, to bring us uh, our life so that it has a purpose, and it's rich, and it's satisfying. Amen? He's the giver of life. You know, we used to sing, um, uh, and there's things you get from him that, that nothing else will ever replace it. We used to sing this song. Um, uh, we, I'll use joy. If we go, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Oh, no, this. Come on, who wants to sing it with me? Or only Sheila knows it. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Oh, no, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. 
this freedom that I have. And we used to go on, and this money that I have, and this peace that I have. And we were just, it's why, why? Because these things that we got from him, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. And we're holding on to it's mine, it's mine. You know, we, we live in title. we like, God owes me this, God owes me this. Let's remember that the same God who is holy, we think we deserve this. We deserve death. And he gave us life. Let's remember this in our whole perspective. And in the midst of all of our holding on and thinking we're entitled to this and entitled to that, it's like we're holding on to these things and God's like, just let it go. I've got a, a much more rich and satisfying life. And I can get that thing to you in a far better way than you can get it yourself. He, he can do it. Over and over and over again. And he wants to. And I believe more than ever before, we are coming into a time with, with what's happening that we have to understand and we have to know. We have to know what Jesus has made available for us because it's going to be the only thing that we're going to have to hold on to. Truly, if we want to be sane and not a cuckoo bird, okay, and all weird, and grasping for this and that. It's like, no, when we, re when we receive Jesus and all that he is, he gives peace. He gives joy. He is that solid rock on which we stand. Amen? And he says here, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. And the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. So Jesus here is talking about religious leaders here. It's part of that context. He says, some of these shepherds, they're hired hands. And they're going to run off. And, and how many have been disappointed by a leader in the church? Well, they're going to fail. They're going to fail. They try to lay their life down, but sometimes they don't. But Jesus, he says, I'm the good shepherd. So I ultimately serving Jesus. And you're not going to be my excuse why I'm not serving you. No leader is going to be my excuse why I'm not following Jesus. No situation is going to be my reason why I'm not serving Jesus. Because he's the good shepherd. And it says here, I'm the good shepherd, verse 14. I know my sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father. And he says, so I sacrificed my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep too. He's talking about you and me. These are the ones. He says, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. And I must bring them also. And he says, and they will listen to my voice, and I love this, and I use this for the city church, for 
us as the church of Barry, when I think of all the different churches, there will be, he says here, one flock with one shepherd. Amen? I'm an under-shepherd. I'm doing my best. But thank God for the great shepherd. Because we can blame him if it doesn't go right. <laughs> you know what? He's got to have our back sometimes. It's like, you know what? You're stuck between a rock and a It's like, okay, Jesus, we're here with you. And he comes through. Amen? He does. And he says here, there'll be one shepherd and there'll be one flock. And he says here, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. So Jesus was completely obedient to his Father in laying his life down. And this is what it's all about. It's about coming to that place with him where it's a revelation of who he is. And that's what holds me. You know, Jesus, when he had his disciples, let's go to Matthew um, 16. Um, he was walking with them for a while. And he was hoping that they were going to get it. And at, at this point here in Matthew, he finally asked them, has anyone seen The, uh, the Chosen? Great, great thing to watch over COVID lockdown. You got extra time, watch The Chosen. And uh, it, I've got, I think, two seasons now. But uh, it's just great how they just show the life of Jesus in such just a very practical way. I, I love that aspect of how they bring out the very human side, but they don't diminish his supernatural power and his holiness as well. Um, but he... But here, um, Jesus is walking with his disciples, and finally he's like, okay, guys. They, they were coming to this region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So he's, he knows they're out there, and they're hearing all these different things, and they're like, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So people have these things, you know, and they come up with all these different understandings and thinkings. And, and so Jesus is like, okay. But um, he then he asked them, but, but, but who do you say I am? And, and this is what we, we have to, each of us, come to. Is who is Jesus to us? And, and Simon Peter, the big mouth, always jumping in there right away. He answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't get this from an earthly context. This came from heaven. This was a deposit that the world didn't give you. Amen? This is what we need. This is what will replenish you. Something from heaven. And he is ready to give it. And I love this. He says here, you did not learn this from any human being. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, 
This rock of what? This rock of revelation. Christ revealed. Christ revealed. I will build my church. Amen? And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. And then he says, you're, I'm going to give you some keys. You're going to take this car out and we're going to ride this thing. It's the keys of the kingdom. And this kingdom is incredible. And he says here, and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. There's, there's supernatural power that we have not tapped into yet. To the degree that we, we can tap into. And so, I was just reading some accounts of John G. Lake. How many have heard, read of any John G. Lake stuff? He, used, he started up healing rooms. And uh, actually, we have the Barry Healing Rooms going on for quite a while in, in Barry here. And that was uh, an offshoot of, of, of John G. Lake's healing school, uh, healing rooms that he had. And, um, and I was reading this account. He has so many miracle uh, accounts. But um, this one, he had come into this, this city, and he was there, and this, this epidemic hit where literally everyone started just throwing up. This thing, it hit like violently in this, this whole city or region, wherever he was. And he came there, and there was a man that was there that had asked John G. Lake to come in. He says, John G. Lake, he says, come in and pray with me. He says, I just feel that if we grab a hold of, of God together, we're going we're gonna to be able to break through this. And so he went in, and he started praying with this guy. And he says, he says as they started praying, he says, I literally was lifted out. And he says, and I saw these hordes of demons. And he says, I'd not seen demons like this before. And he says, there were these hordes of demons. And he says, and this other man, he literally was lifted out with him. And he says, this man went running ahead and he started casting them out and, and commanding them to go. And they, they all spread and they all took off and went, I don't know where, back to hell or wherever they came from. But they, they took off. And then he says, then they came back and they were, they were there and, and then they knew. And that next morning, it was completely gone completely gone. And they, they dealt with something that was spiritual, that was attacking, and when they dealt with it at the source, the fruit of it could be stopped. Another thing, he was in the season of the, the swine flu, the um, uh, Spanish flu, what some call it, in the, in the early 20, 1920s uh, time period. And um, that hit a third of the world. A third. 500 million people got it. And I believe 50 million died from it. Now, what do we do? Why are you saying this? Because we're facing pandemic. We're facing something that's global. Is it to that degree? No, it's not to that degree. But things, who knows what they can do. But what I'm asking you is what does God want us to do in the midst of this? This is what John G. Lake did. He found out who he was in Christ. He began to study the scriptures. Because the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He healed when he was on earth. 
he heals today. And there was a scripture that he got a revelation of. He got several revelations, but this one was in Romans where it says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, how many here are um, obeying the law of gravity? How many woke up today and said, I, I don't want to obey the law of gravity. I'm going to be a rebel. I'm going to like, not. I don't like this gravity stuff. <laughs> it's like, no. The only way you can get away from the law of gravity is to go into the law of lift, which is get on an airplane. Because that is another law that transcends the law of gravity. It's called the law of lift. And so the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus transcends the law of sin and death. We don't have to live under that. And so what John G. Lake had a revelation of is that that spirit of life in, was in Christ Jesus was in him. And it got so bad that the plagues were so bad that they, you know, the workers, they didn't have enough people to bury the bodies. And he, and with his team and his people that believed this revelation and actually didn't care if they died anyway because they were going to heaven. They began to help. But he said, I want to show you something. And he was a scientist before he became uh, a preacher. And he loves science. So a lot of his stuff he talks about is, is very scientific. And he, he always had microscopes and studied different diseases and things. But he said, put the foam from people's mouths on my hand. He says, literally, and put it under the microscope. And when they did, it died. It literally died. We put it under the microscope, and it would be completely dead. Because the law of the spirit of life. Not, I'm not saying we go out there and we just, you know. I'm saying... Build yourself up in who you are. And when we can minister life and we can, we can pray for people. Amen? We can believe God for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus to begin to minister life to those around us. Amen? We can start, you know, well, get, get the, you know, get the shot, get the shot. We're putting all our hope in this vaccine. It's like... That'll work to a degree, but Jesus is 100%. And I'm not saying whether you should vaccinate or not vaccinate. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't put 100% confidence in that. Let's put 100% confidence in Jesus. He's not going to let us down. And, and he says here, I'm going to give you the keys of the, of, of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There are things that we can pray for and take authority over, and we can begin to see changed. More than I think we realize. And he's wanting to bring us into those things as we come to him. Because he has made all of it available to us. Now, I want us to go to Psalms 91 because I want us to, um, to know that this is, our, this is our resting place. And um, ultimately, this is my protection.
Because Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Basically, he said, you can do anything and you have everything. He said, I'm the life source. It's just that, that abiding and that resting. And a lot of times we think we have to muster something up and we have to produce something when all we have to do is abide and rest and operate from that place of rest. When he says do something, we do it, and he backs us. Amen? And he does. He's so cool. And so he says here, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. Amen? So in all of the wrestling, in all of the that's going on, have you just settled yourself down and taken some time to just rest in the shelter of the, of the Most High? You know, I was reminded of the time when Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem before he was going to do the cross. The Bible says he was weeping over Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he says, he says I wanted to gather you like a mother uh, hen gathers her, her chicks and puts them under her. We, we have a morning doves, or they've been morning doves, right? And they're they made a little nest in our tree in our backyard, and you can see from our bedroom. And um, they got two babies in there. And, and they, they go in pairs. I didn't realize this. And they, they mate for life, so they, they're, they're, like, committed. And, and they tag team it. And so the one flies out and gets the food, and they're gone for hours and hours. And the other one's just, you know, brooding over them. And, and as it's cold and it's raining, well, the one rainy day, it was, and, and she's just brooding over and making sure they don't get wet. And then, you know, for I don't know how many hours, and then all of a sudden he comes in and she takes off, and they, they go back and forth. But Jesus wanted to do that. He wanted to take care of us. And he was saying, I wanted to do this with you, Jerusalem. But, he's, but he said, you were unwilling. And he says, and you did not realize the things that made for your peace. And he says, you were unwilling. Everything was there. He was there to give it all. And they were just, they had all these add-ons. And they had all these, no, he can't be because of this. Because of, it's like, no, just stop. Come to him. Come to him, just like a child. And, and find that place, because he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust him. He will rescue me from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Amen? He will cover you with his feathers, and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Sometimes we have to just go back to a promise and just say, God, you are faithful to that promise. Everything looks topsy-turvy right now, but you promised. You promised. And you are fulfilling that promise. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see 
how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge. See, this is the thing that we have to see. You know, we, we don't ever look down on any person. If a person's turned away from God, we pray for them. But there is a consequence from turning away from God. When you say, I don't want your help, he can't help you. And you are prayed for the enemy. And the, and the devil hates us. He hates people. He's going to eat your lunch. And we need to pray that their, their heart changes and they, they come back to God and they open their heart to him. But if they don't, they, there's a punishment that comes with that. And God doesn't want that, but th that's what a consequence of turning away from God. But if you make the Lord your refuge, verse 9, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And you will trample upon lions and cobras, and you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. And the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. And I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Amen. And all it comes from just coming to him like a child. How many can do that? We're going to do that right now. Let's, we're going to have the worship team up. We're going to just take some time to just worship him and come to him. We're going to sing that song again, um, It Is Well. You know, that the songwriter of that song, I'm going to mess it up. I'm wondering if I should get, she'll tell the story. Do you mind? The story of the, the guy, if the, it is well, you don't want me to get you to do it. Okay, I'm going to botch it up. So, you know what? <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> I'm going to do the best I can. Carrie, do you know it? Okay, you want to tell it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, let's not Google it. We're just... <laughs> We're not asking the Google gods. So the main gist of it was um, he was he was on a ship. <laughs> no. His family was on a ship. <laughs> okay. Carrie, say the gist of it. <laughs> I think it was the early 1900s. There was a family was. from overseas. Yes. His family, he was on the ship. I believe there was a fire back home, and his, his family died. Yes. And in the midst of all of that, when he realized what had happened, he wrote this song that he said, like, no matter what happened, like, it's still well with my soul. Despite he lost everything. How, how his family passed, I don't remember, but. Yeah, there was some sort of a tragedy. His wife and children all passed. But this song literally welled up in that place. That song, It Is Well With My Soul. It, this is a rendition. It's kind of a bit of a, a switch from what it, um, it was. Um, Natalie, are you going to be able to sing it? Trish isn't here. Mm. <laughs> I'll try. I can no pressure. Try. Okay. <laughs> no, no, sing. it's fine. <laughs> we, we can, we can it's, it's okay. I don't want to, she's probably in the middle of something with the kids. I don't want to disturb that. Just leave it, Deb. We're good.
Um, so, um, but, but this place of it being well in, in, in our soul, it's not dependent on all of the outward stuff. And we're like, well, if this just happened, then I'd be okay. It's like he had an immense tragedy, and yet there was a contentment in Christ that he was enough, even in the midst of this tragedy. It wasn't this blame. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. It was just Christ is enough. It's well with my soul. And we need to declare that. You know, Paul said godliness with contentment is great gain. And he said, I've learned to, to be content whether I have little or whether I have much. And he learned that secret. And a lot of times it's about the conquering. It's about this. It's about that. It's like, no, it's about being content in who you are in Christ wherever you are along the journey. There's, you're either coming out of something, you're in the middle of something, or you're going into something. It's a cycle. How many know? You, you got the one victory, and it's like, oh, great. Here comes another thing. <laughs> Why can't this stop? It's because Christ is enough, and he can be your victory and lead you into triumph in all things. Amen? And so that's what we want to just, we want to rest in him and just declare that Christ is enough. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.